Hi everyone, my name is Ishan, and this is the Build Your Talent Stack podcast. I started my career feeling like I needed to fit in, and now I shape my own career opportunities. And together with the guests I feature on this podcast, we share how we challenge the status quo in how we learn, connect with an aligned tribe who gets us, and shape our own jobs. And in many cases, these are jobs that didn't exist before. Get ready to be inspired to explore creative ways to learn, future-proof your talent stack, and forge your own path in the future of work in a way that brings out your personality and your zone of genius. Hi everyone, it's Ishan here. Before we jump into this episode, I wanted to give a listener shout out. This comment came from Helen Blunden, who shared our podcast on her LinkedIn feed. She says, do yourself a favor and listen to Ishan's excellent podcast on building new skills. Her podcast resonates with me and is for anyone who wants tips, tools and strategies for keeping themselves current in today's world, self-education and sense-making. She presents podcasts in a way that there's no industry jargon that we seem to fall into at times in our work, but presents why we should be continually learning. Thanks, Ellen, for the lovely shout out. And I can't wait to collaborate together for a new episode interview coming very soon. In this episode, I want to explore the topic of modern learning. Now, what comes to your mind when you hear the term modern learning? For me, without a doubt, when I think about modern learning, I think about how I learn both inside and outside of work. I think of it as a combination of both self-directed learning as well as learning that is enabled in the workplace. When it comes to defining modern learning, who better to define this than none other than Jane Hart, who is one of the world's most influential thought leaders on the topic of modern learning. If you haven't heard of Jane Hart before, I'd start with her Twitter as she's very active there and I'd also check out her website called the Centre for Modern Workplace Learning, which is a wealth of resources you can read up to find out more about what learning is all about and how you can embed it in your work environment. I really like Jane Hart's definition of modern learning. To quote this from her website, modern learning is not something that happens just in education or training, but happens in many different ways every day, both inside and outside of work. Learning is not something that has to be organized for them. They understand they can do a lot for themselves. They also recognize that learning can also happen accidentally or serendipitously as a byproduct of doing something else such as working alongside others in the workplace. According to Jane, modern learners learn in three ways. Intermittently, which is through training and other educational events. On demand, which is when they need it. And continuously, fitting in learning daily or on a very regular basis. Let's break this down with some examples. And if you want to read up more about this, I highly recommend checking out the website from Jane Hart called Center for Modern Workplace Learning. 
So when it comes to daily or regular learning, an example of how you, we fit in learning outside of work on a daily basis are things like spending time reading articles, watching videos, listening to podcasts, or interacting with people on our social networks and communities. Whereas inside of work, daily learning could come from the job that you do at work, gaining feedback, and interactions with your colleagues, working out loud, and also reflecting on what you learned throughout the day. Next is on-demand learning, which is learning as and when you need it. Outside of work, I'm sure many of you can relate to looking up a recipe online or maybe a how-to video, whereas learning on-demand at work might be looking up something online to find an article that will help you build acumen on a topic that you're working on. Thirdly, there's intermittent learning, which is learning through training or other types of educational events. The examples that Jane shares on a website for learning outside of work are things that include online webinars, courses, networking events, reading books, or finding mentors outside of work. Whereas intermittent learning in the workplace might look something like finding opportunities to develop on the job through stretch projects or assignments or finding an internal mentor. It also includes internal training and online learning provided by your organization. As you can see, it's not necessarily about new ways of learning but about using a mix of traditional training as well as self-directed learning to achieve your goals. What's interesting about Jane's definition of modern learning is that what sets a modern learner apart is that they learn every day from everything that they do. Everything from daily interactions with colleagues, stakeholders, social networks, as well as planned development activities. After all, everything is changing constantly, so it makes sense that staying informed on a regular basis about the new trends and new research discoveries not only increases your credibility and the value that you add to your profession, but Jane also adds that it helps you prepare for change because you're already anticipating the flow on impacts as a result of the discoveries that you've made. If you listen to episode 39, where I share three lessons from three job promotions that I helped people land this year, one of the things that people often trip over in an interview is when they answer the question about how have you invested in your learning this year. I can't tell you how many people respond with a pregnant pause. And then they nervously confess that it's been a while since they've been in a formal course. That's not the answer that we're looking for. When we're asking this question in an interview, we're not interested either in hearing about the list of online courses that you signed up for, or apologetic excuses about not being more ambitious in your career. We're interested in hearing your thought process of how you plan what to learn, which learning approach you decided to use, how did you apply it, and how did you determine how much knowledge you needed to gain 
to help you get on with the job. Have a listen to episode 39 if you haven't done so already, where I share three lessons from helping three people land job promotions and a little behind the scenes on the preparation involved in putting their best feet forward to landing these opportunities. Going back to modern learning, let me share an example of how I've used some of these concepts when I was preparing for my first international talk in Singapore at HR Festival Asia. Earlier this year, I presented a talk in Singapore at HR Festival Asia, which is Asia's leading HR and technology event, where up to 5,000 people attended and some of the world's most prominent speakers, thought leaders and leading organizations came together in Singapore to explore the future of HR, HR technology and the new world of work. Adaptability has been described by Harvard Business Review as the new competitive advantage in the future of work. To increase adaptability and unlock people's potential in meeting evolving business needs, I spoke about how organizations need to focus on creating an environment that empowers people to acquire new skills through continuous learning. Now that sounds all very well and good, doesn't it? But the reality was, after a long hiatus in hearing back from the organisers, by the time I finally heard back from them, I was given one weekend to finalise the pitch for my talk and three weeks notice to prepare for the actual presentation. Just when I thought that it was time to give up on the idea of speaking at this event, Everything came through at the last minute and I was literally crapping myself thinking I can't turn down this amazing opportunity and I was freaking out at the same time wondering how am I going to make this happen. Now I said that I had one weekend to finalize the pitch and three weeks to prepare for the talk but in actual fact I've been researching the topic of future skills, future of work and modern learning for some time. Linking this back to Jane Hart's idea that modern learners learn intermittently, on demand and continuously, let me share how I approached all three of these in how I prepared for this talk. An example of how I fit in continuous learning, which is learning on a daily or regular basis... Long before this talk came about, I've been following podcasts relating to learning and development and the future of work. I also started using LinkedIn as a source of my daily learning by reassessing my network and figure out who I should be following to learn from the articles that they share on their LinkedIn feed. I wanted my LinkedIn feed to be another platform for me to curate my learning experience. So I started following a range of people ranging from thought leaders like Josh Burson through to people in the human resources sector and learning and development roles around the world. I love exploring other people's reading lists and articles shared by like-minded people around the world. These days when I send connection requests on LinkedIn, 
It's from a place of shared value and wanting to curate my own learning experience based on the content shared by people I follow. Next is on-demand learning, which Jane Hart defines as looking up something online to find relevant info that will help you build acumen on a topic that you're working on. As part of my research on what the work culture was like in Singapore, I was introduced to a couple of global employee satisfaction surveys. One of them was the Mercer Report in 2018 on employee engagement in Singapore. The other was a global benchmark survey on employee satisfaction called the State of the Global Workplace by Gallup, and that was dated 2017. Now, I hadn't come across either of these reports before. These were, in fact, recommended to me by a family friend who was a former executive in Singapore, and he very kindly gave me an hour of his time over the phone to share insights from the report that would be relevant to my audience. And he also shared leadership challenges in building a learning culture in Southeast Asia so that I had a bit better idea of the audience that I was presenting to. Then there's intermittent learning, which includes things like educational events, as well as reading books and finding mentors. Long before the speaking opportunity came along, I connected with an amazing mentor who not only recommended me books to read, but introduced me to other thought leaders that I hadn't come across before, some of whom have been interviewed on this podcast now, and there are more to come. When I was accepted to present at the conference, she also helped me review my presentation from a couple of angles. One of them was from a storytelling perspective. And secondly, I really appreciated having her as a sounding board to help me make sure that I had referenced the most appropriate statistics for the point that I wanted to get across. I can't tell you what a relief it was to have someone who I could reach out to in the limited time that I had to prepare for this talk. And it certainly helped me feel more confident and shift gears from continuously editing my presentation to actually practicing how I was going to deliver the presentation. Time was ticking And with only three weeks to go to not only write my talk, but to practice it as well, I knew I couldn't do it alone. So I got vulnerable and I asked for help. I reached out to one of my past photography clients who was starting out her own business as a public speaking coach to get some advice from her and she was kind enough to jump on a call with me to give me feedback on my presentation and help me with the parts that I found the hardest which was to create a strong open and close. I needed to set the scene and grab their attention in the first few minutes and end with a clear call to action. It sounds so easy, but it actually was harder than I thought. The next thing I did was to share my draft talk with as many people as I could. So many people were incredibly generous with their time to give me feedback on my presentation, but I knew I had to try something different because I was finding it really hard to find time in the diary to fit everyone in. So I did something that I have never done in my life before. 
which was to deliver my practice talk to a private Facebook group. The people in this private Facebook group were a mix of my peers at work, close friends who were more experienced than I was at presenting talks, and also people that I connected with online, people who I've never met in person, from around the world whose feedback that I trust because we're either from the same communications training group or they've got experience in an area that I don't have that I know will be helpful in getting me stage ready. I was vulnerable, but I showed up anyway and I shared my draft. I shared where I was stuck and I ne- where I needed help. My draft was full of imperfections, but I was ready to receive feedback. Something that I reminded myself to help me overcome the fear of public speaking, the fear of imposter syndrome, and the fear of not hitting the mark, was the reminder that I was not on stage alone. I told myself that I would be there on stage with my support crew behind me. My talk was my story. I own my story. And the way in which I tell my story was made possible with my support crew. Every aspect of my talk had a piece of feedback from my support crew. The words that I used, the way that I delivered certain sections, the slides, the design, the energy, the call to action, my support crew had my back. And I just needed to own it on stage and tell my story. I know this example might be crazy to some, but I also read somewhere, I can't recall where this quote originally came from, but the saying goes, if an opportunity scares you to the point that it makes you both excited, but also makes you want to throw up at the same time, then don't say no, you just figure out a way to do it. And I had to tell myself, it's not like it's a competition. It's not like I'm going to sing a song and be judged on TV for my ability to sing in tune or dance on stage. I knew I was going to be surrounded by people who were there to learn. And that also helped me get over my nerves. What I learned from this experience is that much like podcasting, the first episode, the first ever conference, The very first time is always the hardest and may seem like an impossible feat. But having now done it, and in the case of podcasting, I'm now a year in and on my way to wrapping up the year with 50 episodes. Who would have guessed? I learned that once you've conquered the initial fear of just getting out there and doing it, Once you have a structure, an outline of what your key message is, it's so much easier to tweak it to suit the audience that you're pitching to speak to in the future. In fact, I've got new ideas on how I want to tell the story in different ways and introduce more interaction to the session. I also learned that the notion of finding purpose in your work is very much influenced by the country that you work in and the beliefs that you have. In some countries, the work culture is more focused on the collective culture, the collective goals, the collective purpose. And in other work cultures, it's almost unheard of 
to not be able to articulate your purpose, your why, your true north on a personal level. So it definitely pays off to do some research on the culture of the audience that you're presenting to, whether it's consistent with your experience or potentially different experience than what you've been exposed to. Always do your research. So in wrapping up this episode, I want to leave you with a call to action to see if you can challenge yourself to think outside of the box on how you learn. Everything from how you curate your daily learning experience, such as your LinkedIn feed, your Twitter feed or your podcast feed, through to your tribe of mentors, your support crew, who can not only challenge you on your thinking, but also help you distill the most relevant information to help you build knowledge on the topic that you want to explore. To find out more about Jane Hart, I'll leave a link to her website, Center of Modern Workplace Learning, where you can find out more about how to apply a modern learning approach to your own development. I hope you enjoyed my behind-the-scenes story of how I used modern learning to prepare for my international talk. In the meantime, connect with me on LinkedIn if you haven't done so already, and I hope to see you in the next episode. That's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a review on iTunes and let me know if this has helped you in any way in shaping your career goals. I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn and Instagram. You can find me at Build Your Talent Stack.